Welcome back, everyone, to Great Quarter Gals. Of course, the wonderful show Kaylee, Nix, and I do every single week that helps not only just represent women in transportation, but showcase some of the amazing women in our industry that are doing really great things to advance the industry, but also bring more women into it as well. And uh, unfortunately, it is just me today. So Great Quarter Grace it is. Uh, of course, Kaylee's out there taking some much-needed time off, much-deserved time off. And we'll actually get to that a little bit today as well. We're going to be reviewing a couple of areas of, I'd say, investment in women in this space, but really women in the workplace as a whole. There's been interesting studies that have come out of over of what 2023 represented for women in all industries. And I think some different ways that we can learn from the behavior that was experienced in 23, especially coming into 24 and, and making it our best and, and focusing on bringing half of this population into this wonderful industry as it continues to grow. We also have a wonderful guest joining us later in the show as well from the Tenny Group. We have Megan Muir, uh, Megan Muir uh, joining us, and we're going to be talking about M&A in the space, and most importantly, a lot of her time and talent within the industry as well, and how that's worked into her current role at the Tenny Group too. And uh, So let's dive into it. Let's start here with some of these studies. There's a few that we're going to touch on in particular. And we're going to go into a couple of areas I think uh, might get a little, uh, I hate the word tripping. I think that's uh, so 2021, uh, but I'd say difficult and hard to, to move forward from. I mean, here's the best part about focusing on bringing other people into the industry. And that is, it's going to take work from the people in the industry to make those changes and get over those challenges. Like anything else that we do, look at the technology that we've increased and, and entered into our space. That was hard. That's difficult. Change management is hard. It's one of the most difficult things companies can go through. So why would bringing different people and different ethnicities and different backgrounds into our industry be easy? Just by that. So, uh, yeah, we're going to go into a little bit of tough subjects here, but that's why we love having this platform and, of course, love doing this work with, with Kaylee and I as well. The first study I want to touch on is a study called Lean In Study. And uh, as we post this out into our different areas of social media, I'll make sure that I go through and add some of the links to these studies so you can check them out as well. And I'm going to start off on a positive note. So one of the things that the Lean In study found is that women are becoming more ambitious. And I want to say I think that ambition has been there before, but the confidence behind the ambition is starting to really come out. Uh, nine in 10 women in the ages 30 and under are looking to be promoted into their next level in the next year or so. Uh, and I think that right there showcases that we're all looking to aspire three in four women uh, in the survey are looking to become senior leaders at some point. So we're not just joining a workforce to play along and, and be a pawn. That's more of a chester, chess terminology, not so much a pawn pawn. But we, we want to actually do something. We want to have a, a really great uh, a footprint and an acknowledgement within the industries that we serve. So I think this is positive news if we're looking at anything. 
Now, what we need to get over right now is, well, we're, we're working on the payment gap, which I think we're really uh, starting to um, get along with. And I think focusing on, on women in uh, senior leadership roles will help with that. But overall, what they call the advancement gap is still there. So for every 100 men promoted from an entry level to manager and 87, 87 women in an organization are promoted as well. So again, that's actually like right around the pay gap, if I'm correct on that. Uh, but I think that showcases how much the pay gap actually coincides so much with the advancement gap. Uh, to give you a little bit more background on that, on uh, those numbers too, men end up, end up holding about 60% of manager level positions, while women just hold 40, which I think is actually pretty great to hear. That's nowhere close in our industry. This again is women in all types of industries, but I think uh, it's still showcasing, I mean, to be honest with you, I think the population is close to 51, uh, 49. Like we should be closer to those levels. But if anything, it shows promise for our industry if we're seeing all industries getting to that 40 for women. Now, of course, as a result of that, fewer women are being promoted to directors uh, and the number of women do decrease at every level underneath those uh, levels as well. So know that if you actually promote a woman within your four walls, there's a likelihood that that ambition and then advancement gap will improve as well. Now, uh, we're going to go over a few things I think that are actually hurting uh, a lot of women, according to the study in particular, when it comes to how they feel in a workplace, let alone their ambition to be promoted into a, a higher level as well. Uh, the first area we're going to start off with, because I think this is one of the easiest things that we could get over if we really focus our time and attention on that and that's microaggressions. So uh, clear examples of a microaggression are using words like sweetheart, doll, work wife, just th that type of terminology that, sure, I think women respond to in the office or in a work environment, but would probably likely love to not respond to if the, if the opportunity was there. A big one in particular, I think you see, especially, um, I think you actually see this more in diversity uh, problems and, and microaggressions that see the same behavior, but giving it a different description, right? Uh, calling women bossy compared to men who are go after what they want. Uh, young and promising is uh, a nice uh, terminology used for mostly on women in the workplace. Uh, this is kind of getting more, and I'd say the diversity aspect of things, using phrases like you're so articulate, um, or if there's uh, two of a uh, same different ethnicity with a room, calling them by the wrong name and saying, oh, sorry, wrong person, uh, as if clearly uh, we know where you're going there. Um, and then even when it comes to, I think, transgendered or different uh, LGBTQIA plus groups within the workplace, using phrases like you don't look like or I didn't think you were uh, based off of, of their gender. So just being mindful and cognizant of how that behavior comes off and makes people feel comfortable in the workplace, right? It's about putting each other empathy, leading with empathy and putting someone in, in your shoes. Here's another couple of microaggressions I found interesting as well. Acting as if a woman is weak, 
for instance, if we're moving boxes, like making sure all the men are helping first, going to women, trust me, your girl can lift a box over here if she needs to. Furniture too, I love moving furniture, so ask me. Now I might be lazy and might not want to do it, but I can sure move some furniture along it, side any man, that's for sure. Uh, this is a big one as well, invasion of space or touching. Uh, I find that if you get cubicles, you actually avoid this more. Uh, and there's a term out there called man spreading, where men tend to leave things in the office and places that aren't technically theirs and, and on other people's desks, avoiding those situations as well. Also, making sure that you're not interrupting and that you hear comments uh, on, even if uh, it, it feels like it's coming from an emotional state. Uh, when it gets more into diversity initiatives as well, uh, here's a couple of facts that came from that same lean and study. Asian women are seven times more likely than white, white women and men to be mistaken for someone of the same race or ethnicity, going back to, sorry, wrong person. Black women are three times more likely than white women or and men to have to code switch to change the way that they're speaking or are acting dependent on or the vice versa white women or men will change the way they're speaking to others uh in order to maybe feel have them feel like they're included uh this is i think is a huge one that our industry i think is going through now lgbtqia plus women are five times more likely to hide aspects of their personal lives and more than two and a half times more likely to worry about preparing appearing professional than others in the workplace as well and so i think uh, i i do want to leave this here uh, with a couple of ways to improve because uh, i think that there's ways that we can uh, really make women and feel more comfortable and at the end of the day ambitious towards their work uh, one is work from home policies this study found not just women but men agree that the flexibility of their jobs help them stay in their job longer and avoid reducing their hours over time they actually usually end up working more hours and women in particular who worked in more hybrid or remote work uh, actually felt less fatigued and less burnt out 29 percent of women and 25 percent of men who say they work remotely have biggest benefits and fewer unpleasant interactions with co-workers too so that one i think will help everyone across the board the second is embrace women's ambitions hold moonshot events we see these all over the tech space in our industry hold these events that allow people to bring up new ideas and, and get into their creative side and at the end of the day worst case wow your business now has a full list of different ideas that could probably help accelerate your your uh growth uh in your work down the road have career days where people come in and express what they want to do in their career and what they're looking to do over time, whether that's 10, 20 years down the road and have them speak on what their outcome is. That way you have an idea as their leader of what that you should be focused on and addressing those. And if they have a passion outside the workplace, Let's say they're in accounting and they love accounting, they're doing a great job for you, but they also have an Etsy where they make quilts or they make Taylor Swift friendship bracelets. Address that, appreciate that, appreciate people, people's passions outside of work. That will make them feel more included and more open to speak on them at work as well. And worst case, hold events where they can, you know, of course, have little pop-up shops inside your office. Have, all of that is just gonna include a wonderful culture at the end of the day. And then also make small rules around microaggressions. 
keep a clean office, get cubicles, provide a personal workplace, have a women's lounge. I know there's like at least two empty offices right now in your building that you're not using and you're hoping people would use for meetings, but they're not. Make it a women's lounge, make it a safe place that women can go to. Celebrate uh, different holidays like LGBTQIA plus holidays and, and don't just have it because you know someone in your office is is out not everyone will be but this could help with that and take holidays like juneteenth off and and recognize those holidays and do the research because i think that the big uh area that people a lot, a lot of times uh go over is it's not minorities job to teach others about how minorities are affected the internet's there a lot of us know about the history it's our turn to give back to those communities as well. So there's some hot tips for 2024 ways to improve our workforce. And I think what's even better is that we have a guest here today who is a part of a group working in the M&A space, has been such a wonderful contributor to our industry uh, over 14 minimum years uh, in logistics as well. And I want to introduce her to all to you, the Chief Commercial Officer at the Tenney Group, Megan Muir. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm happy to have you on. Grace, thanks so much. I appreciate being here. Yeah, and again, you have such a, a wonderful background in this space. Can you highlight some of your experience in supply chain so our audience gets a great idea of, of how you've been helping us out? Yeah, absolutely. I started my career at Schneider National, and so I really cut my teeth there. Wonderful organization out of Green Bay. I uh, actually started my career in driver recruiting uh, before moving into sales and outside commercial capacity there. But um, Schneider is just such a wonderful organization and uh, really had an amazing uh, time at Schneider uh, when I started off, I actually did a lot of driver ride-alongs, and uh, it was really important for all the employees at that organization to get a feel for the operational components of running a trucking company before you got into any sales or, or commercial role. Um, so just learned a lot in my time there and uh, really enjoyed understanding day in the life of a truck driver and, and what they go through uh, day in and day out, uh, shipping, receiving, technology, you name it. Uh, it was a really interesting way to get started in transportation. When when you're doing those ride-alongs, what was like the what surprised you the most? What was the situation where you're just like, wow, this this is a really tough job? Yeah, it is. It's such a tough job. Uh, shipping and receiving is very challenging. It's very difficult, right? Detainment is real. Uh, and it's just hard. It's, it's a hard space to play in, uh, not only being away from your family for weeks on end, of course, but sleeping in the cab of a truck, figuring out where you're going to eat your next meal, uh, and then dealing with shipping and receiving and, and being detained frequently. Um, and then all of the safety uh, risks that happen just uh, driving down the road, right? Uh, weather, inclement weather, you name it, uh, they're going through all of it. And so uh, it was really eye-opening experience. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've started getting a little bit bad weather up here. And I was just thinking about that the other day, the fact that, you know, we have all these individuals out here riding around on ice just because we want things tomorrow or delivered two hours from now. Right. And it's uh, we couldn't do that without the infrastructure we built with, with drivers today. And and, and now you're at the, the Tenney Group and you're in this amazing C-level uh, role. Can you elaborate on what exactly your role is and the responsibilities that you have uh, in the commercial space. 
Yeah, sure. So uh, Tenny Group, we're M&A sell-side advisors. Our firm is based in Franklin, Tennessee. And so we really walk alongside business owners who are looking to sell their company and transition into the next phase of their lives or their careers. And so um, it, it's a great it's a great space. Um, we typically serve organizations that are between $20 million and $250 million in revenue. Um, almost all family-owned and operated trucking and logistics companies a second, third generation uh, looking to, to exit. And so um, we're, we're based in Franklin, Tennessee, and uh, exclusively focused in the transportation and logistics space uh, on the asset heavy and asset light side of the business. You know, this is an interesting question, I think, especially when, when people consider what uh, exactly you're doing in this space, M&A Action in particular. But I think I think I, I'm interested in, in, in your answer for this. What aspect of your role and the work that you do on a daily basis do you find the most rewarding? Oh, yeah. Great question. So um, like I said, we we get to walk alongside owners, right, that are exiting their companies and, and selling. And so uh, I would say the most rewarding part of that is post-transaction, seeing what these owners do uh, after they exit their organization. And so um, there's just unbelievable and amazing stories that we hear every single day. Um, some that are interested in, you know, real estate ventures or, or other things and, and hobbies that might be of interest to them, hunting and, and fishing and, uh, you know, boating you know, all of their personal hobbies and things that they want to spend more time doing. Uh, but the most impactful are the owners that have found just unbelievable ways to give back to their community or their employees or um, some that, that go on these international trips and uh, give back, uh, you know, mission trips and give back to their, um, you know, you know their, their churches and, and their church communities. And so uh, just a lot of really neat stories uh, around how folks are leaving their impact and, and their legacy is living on even after the transaction happens. Yeah, you know, what I love about this industry, especially leaders in this space that you, that you work with, uh, it's they put their all into it in, in, in so many hours and so many years of their life. And for you, it must be really fun to see kind of like the, not the end of that American dream, but like the outcome, right, of that American dream and now allowing them to, to move forward in life. And that's, I, I, I'm sure, really fun to see what different paths people take over time. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, they, they're able to give back in ways that they might not have imagined when they were running their trucking company. And so it's really neat to see what they do with uh, that generational wealth that they've created over the last 30, 40, 50 years sometimes. So cool. Uh, let's let's talk about M&A action in the space today. Looking back at 23 as we're first episode of 24, happy to have you on for, for this exact reason. Looking back cool. at the past year, what were some of the interesting trends and challenges you saw in the M&A space and, and how are you taking that into 24? Yeah, it was a tough year, right? Trucking, uh, it was a really hard year for trucking. I think uh, coming off of these historic highs, whether it be uh, rates or volume or uh, asset valuations, right? Uh, coming off of market highs and then um, really plummeting to market lows in a fairly short period of time is very uncommon in our space, right? We're used to five, seven, 10 year cycles, but not three. Uh, and so uh, I would say 2023 in general was a really tough year. Um, I know in your study, you were just mentioning remote work. And I think um, if anything, the silver lining might've been uh, 
um, you know, the ability to have and understand and develop async workforce or, or hybrid workforce and, and what that's going to do to our future of work. Um, I think there's some silver lining in that. Um, but most of our relationships are all built on in-person meetings, right? Building trusting relationships with people um, either on the buy side or the sell side um, and really working to, to be master connectors with those two groups of people. And you have to do that in person. And so um, how we're addressing it in the upcoming year is really um, you know, we're going to continue to travel. We, we attend anywhere from 40 to 50 industry events every single year. Um, everything like your FreightWaves event, uh, TIA, TCA, ATA, all your known uh, kind of, uh, you know, key pillar uh, industry events to state associations as well. Um, so we plan to still do that. And uh, I would say we're cautiously optimistic about transactions next year. I use the term cautiously optimistic because I, I think transactions are still going to get done. Deals are still going to get done in 2024 um, because hopefully the the market is just less volatile than it has been over the last couple of years. So, um, you know, I think there are more known factors going into 24 than, than probably the last two years. And so, um, yeah, I would say that this normalization, we're, we're cautiously optimistic about the upcoming year. Yeah, I think anyone in this space right now would like a little more normal market cycle, if anything. So we're all going to agree with you on that one. And I'm interested as we go into 24 and and we've seen, you know, cowboy situation happen in the past year. We've seen technology, I don't want to say take a beating, but take a little, people are looking a little bit closer at the investments of that space and, and how it's being applied to uh, various businesses within logistics as well. How do you and how does the Tenny Group look at the offerings of, of its clients and, and how it balances technology, but also the human element as well? Yeah, I think it's a good question. Um, whenever we talk about just risk in general or disruptive factors, um, I think at 10,000 feet, we always think about two main buckets, right? Um, one is technology. The second is just regulation in general. And those have probably been the two pillars of risk that we view things through over the years. Um, technology, I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable all the changes that have happened. Like you said, in my 13, 14 years in, in supply chain, um, starting back with, with ELDs, right? And, and I was at Schneider and they were kind of on the forefront of, um, you know, implementing ELDs throughout and, and integrating them throughout their, their fleet, which was thousands of, of drivers on the road. Um, and it's just evolved so much since then, um, you know, geofencing and EDIs and APIs and camera technology. I think we're really interested to see what API does, um, you know, in, in the upcoming years and some of the connectivity, um, but also AI. I mean, I think AI is going to really change um, the way that we view and, and analyze data, the way brokerage operations work. Um, obviously, electric and autonomous trucks are, are huge um, ERP, I've been through two ERP transformations. Um, that one is always interesting to me, just the general connectivity of your TMS and CRMs and WMS uh, tools together and how that can drive efficiencies. Uh, freight profitability is probably another one that uh, just so many more tools and platforms available to analyze your network and optimize your network today than you know, 10, 12, 15 years ago. Um, and even how the drivers operate, right? I mean, I think there's been a lot of technological changes. When you think back to even Qualcomm, to Omnitrax and workflow solutions, there's been a lot of changes in the way um, drivers are getting more efficient on the road as well. So I would say that's kind of the technology bucket that, that we view things through. Um, and then the other one is just regulation, right? And, and staying at the forefront of all the changes that continue to happen on the, the regulatory front, Um 
hours of service has, has been a big one, obviously, over the years. Um, I kind of bucket California in its own little category and all the different regulation that is impacting California and then how that's going to spread throughout the, the United States um, from carb compliance to, of course, AB5 here recently was um, was was huge. Uh, and then ESG, I mean, you're talking about diversity in, in your study. Um, ESG, the measurement and compliance around ESG and how that impacts the way that we do business moving forward. I think that's going to be an interesting one to watch as well. Yeah, and on that note, too, as, as we wrap up, I'm interested, uh, DE&I initiatives, how important is that to the Tenney Group? And how do you uh, work that into your everyday work you do in your role as well? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, whenever we think about diversity, certainly I have my commercial hat on, and we're always talking about diversity in terms of revenue streams, right? Customer base and revenue streams. When I put my hiring hat on, we're thinking about it a lot in terms of um, not just gender and ethnicity, right? I think a lot of organizations kind of anchor to those two things whenever we talk a lot about um, diversity in the workforce. But I think what's really important is an organization's receptiveness to diversity of perspective, uh, which is generally much harder, obviously, to measure, uh, not necessarily quantifiable. But um, we at Tenny Group, we, we really like to use the term co-create. And so when we think about diversity of perspective within our organization, um, it's really important that we don't always have a top-down approach to how we create solutions within the organization or grow the company. Mm -hmm. uh, we really like to co-create with our teams uh, and all of our employees. Uh, I think it's a much different approach when a CEO might come in and say, hey, we need to go from point A to B to C uh, versus give the vision of C is where we're going. What's the best way to get there, right? And so, um, yeah, we like to use the term co-create to, to um, encourage diversity of perspective within the Tenney Group. I love that answer. And the best part about the show is I, I love making sure that our viewers leave here with some actionable items. And that right there, I think, is a perfect way uh, leadership can be, be improved across the space. Megan, I want to say thank you so much for being a part of today's show and the work that you're doing. And, and honestly, from an outsider's perspective, anytime I've worked with, with the group, it has been mostly women that I've, I've talked to and worked with uh, outside Spencer. So I, I thank you so much for being a part of the team as well. And uh, for our audience, uh, where can they reach you if they have any questions or want to learn more about the group? Yeah, our website, thetennygroup.com is a great, great spot to start. Love it. Thank you so much, Megan. For our audience as well, as we enter this wonderful year, 2024, uh, get ready for some great, great quarter gals uh, work. We've got a wonderful guest lined up for this new year. We've got some wonderful events that we'll be attending too that you can join with us as well. Uh, make sure you head to our live.freightwaves.com uh, to check out events that we'll be at, of course, so some of our live events too. We have the whole year already set up for you guys. So as you're working through your plans for 2024, don't forget those two. Until then, thank you so much for checking out our first episode of the year, and we'll be back next week with Kaylee, too. One, two, three, ho!